0: What a year it's been. This certainly will be an unforgettable year for many of us, 2020. I think many of us anticipated a wonderful start to the new decade, but who would have thought that the beginning of this year saw America and Iran almost go to the brink of war, and then the usually quiet Taal volcano suddenly erupt, and now we have this COVID-19 pandemic that's affecting every corner of this world. These are certainly unprecedented times, especially as it relates to this virus. A few months ago, it was simply a problem in China, many of us thought, centered around Wuhan. A few weeks later, it's now a worldwide problem, and it has reached our country. Because of fears and anxieties, major sporting events have been canceled, worldwide travels have virtually shut down, and and schools are dormant. Government admit that they can't control the virus's spread without a vaccine and they can only try to contain and minimize the speed of the infection spread, the so-called flattening of the curve, so as not to overwhelm a country's health system in order to mitigate the risk that more are affected. This coronavirus has caused fear and anxieties in all quarters and here in the Philippines, of course. We're now under a so-called enhanced community quarantine, which is essentially a lockdown. And so we thought that during this lockdown, we want to begin a special mini-sermon series for the duration of this quarantine called Aptly Lockdown, looking at the Bible for a biblical guide for how to live in times of uncertainties. We want to take a look at the Bible to see what steps we are to take in times of uncertainty to strengthen our faith, to strengthen our resolve, and to know Christ more. Not knowing what will happen is really one of the biggest fears for many of us. I'm sure it is for you. Will I get this coronavirus? Will my family or loved ones get COVID-19? What will happen to my business? Do I have enough finances to weather the storm? What will happen in the community to those who work daily and depend on a daily wage? What about our medical professionals and those on the front lines? What if they get sick? What if we don't have enough medical hospital equipment or the hospitals are full of capacity to deal with this pandemic here in our country? What about the school year? Will it be a wasted year? Will the students have to repeat a grade? What happens to the schedule? Will it be extended into the summer? What about my plans? How far ahead? How far ahead should I cancel certain events? Should I move my wedding day and to when? These are but a sampling of the many questions that I'm sure many of you have. And these many questions lead to two connected realization. The realization, number one, that I'm really powerless in this world and I have no control. And then the second realization, but then who is in control? So we need to establish at the foundation base level, step one, who is in control? We need to establish that it isn't us, but it is the Lord God. And we turn to the Bible to remind us of this truth. I'd like you to turn with me to Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. It will be a very familiar passage to many of you, both ad- adults and children. This will be a very familiar passage to you, both adults and children, especially if you grew up in the church. Actually, as you're turning to Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25 in your own Bibles, we recognize that if we think about it, we really don't have much power and control as we think we have. And it really shouldn't take something like COVID-19 to remind us of this truth. As a parent, sometimes I think I have a lot of control over my children, but in reality I don't. As a father, I can teach my children how to pray. I can make them close their eyes. I can make them fold their hands. I can even make them verbally say something or or follow along as they repeat a phrase of mine. But in their hearts, I can't force them or make them pray. I can't force them to talk to God and mean it. Likewise, as a pastor, I really don't have much power I can't make you change your lives to be more like Jesus. I can only challenge you. I really don't have much control. So in times of uncertainty, it is important for us to understand and be reminded of this truth again, especially if many of us have forgotten it. When circumstances change, we ask the question, if we're not in control, who is really in control? And God wants to establish that it is Him who is in control. And I hope at least that as we go through this time of uncertainty, that we will recognize that it is God who is in control. Look at verses 22 to 23. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and Jesus said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. Jesus was going to bring His disciples to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It's really a lake. He just wanted to go a short distance to the other side. But I want you to note the important command of Christ to His disciples. We are going to the other side of the lake. In fact, while the Luke account tells us that Jesus gives this instruction while He is in the boat, and the gospel accounts of the same incident... In Matthew chapter 8 and in Mark chapter 4, the Bible tells us Jesus already tells his disciples that he and they will be getting to the other side. So basically, what's happening is Jesus is telling them before they got into the boat and after they got in the boat that they will make it to the other side. And so that should have been a guarantee. It's as if Jesus is nagging them, reminding them, We will get to the other side. We will get to the other side. Don't worry. And so they get into the boat, and Jesus, being 100% human, as he was 100% divine, he was tired, and so he fell asleep. He had given instructions to his disciples. The boat was in the hands of expert fishermen, and most of us know that nothing will rock us to sleep faster than being on a boat. Now let me stop here and ask you something If someone says something and gives you an assurance, how much are you willing to believe him? If I told you, believe me, and take what I say at face value, will your reaction be, of course, pastor, we believe you? No, I think most of our generation would say, well, prove it. If I were to tell you right now, for example, that by this time next week, the Philippines will be COVID-19 free. Would you believe it? Of course not. You would ask, how did you know? You're initially skeptical, even though I know many of you trust me. If I make a statement such as that, you want the facts that corroborate what I say. And the reason so many of us have trust issues is because we've been burned so many times. We've been hurt We've been promised things only to have those promises broken. How many times have your parents promised to do something only to break it? How many times have our politicians told us they would do something for us, but they don't do it? We have had our trust broken, and so we no longer trust. I remember this interesting story of a college young man who walks into a store with a picture of his girlfriend. He wanted the picture framed. The owner of the store agreed, and as he was framing that picture, noticed the inscription on the back of the picture. It read this. My dearest Tom, I love you with all my heart. I love you more and more each day. I will love you forever and ever. I'm yours forever all eternity. It was signed, Diane. But it contained the postscript, P.S. And if we ever break up, I want this picture back. Imagine professing your love for all eternity, and yet with the clause that if we break up, she wants the picture back. We profess one thing, but we often break it. And so, because many of us have had shattered trust, sometimes we don't take the Word of God at face value. But we should. The Lord God, when He says something, He will never break His Word. The very words of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God Himself, to His disciples, I will get you to the other side. We will get to the other side. If you were in the boat and you heard those words from Jesus, how much weight would you put into those words? A simple trust in His Word is very important. Why? Because our trust in His Word at face value shows if we really believe Him or not, or really believe in His Word or not. If the disciples can't even believe that they will make it to the other side, as we're going to find out when a storm comes, then how can they believe the things that Jesus will tell them in the future, things that are not as believable as we'll get to the other side, but He will tell them things like, I will die and rise again in three days. If they could not believe in these simple words, how could they believe in more challenging words? My friends, for us, if we don't believe in the power of His Word, then when challenges come into our lives, how can we take His Word at face value, believing that He will be able to do it when He tells us He will never leave us nor forsake us, and yet we feel very lonely? Do we believe that He's just kidding, or those words only fit when there are no problems in life? Is it all dependent upon circumstances? That's something that we need to understand why it is important to believe in the power of His Word. His command to the disciples to cross to the other side guaranteed that they would arrive safely. And so we see here, number one, our first takeaway the power of His Word. Remember that and recognize that. If you don't believe in God's Word, and take his word at face value, then you and I don't really believe he's in control, that he's able to help us. And no wonder we're anxious and we're worried. Now, you know, Jesus never promised that we won't go through trials or adversities. He never promised that bad things won't happen to us or that we won't experience times of fear or anxieties. What does he promise? He promises that he will always be with us to journey with us even through life's challenges. He promises that He will not allow anything to happen to us that He does not allow. That's true protection. And when we take it at face value and believe in the power of His Word, then it gives us, hopefully, a deep peace and an assurance. Look at verses 23 to 24. And the windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. As they were in the middle of the lake, suddenly a windstorm came across the area and came down the hills that surrounded the lake and whipped the lake into a frenzy. The waves were crashing into the boat. The suddenness of the storm on the Galilee was quite common as it was surrounded by hills on all sides. In fact, the the waves were so high that the water came over the side of the boat and the boat began to fill with water. Now I want you to understand that this isn't some sort of fake problem or an over-exaggeration of a little wave with a little wind. As Luke describes it, they were really in trouble. The suddenness of the storm mimics how life's problems often suddenly appear in our lives. It's unexpected, something not anticipated. You know, unless you really anticipate things to go wrong in your life and are the ultimate pessimist, most everyone always anticipates good things to happen to them, right? No one ever goes into a marriage looking for an affair. No one ever begins a business planning for a failure, No one ever has children thinking that they will be absolute failures or think that they will ever get sick. No one ever gets a job thinking that they are going to get fired. No one ever lives life thinking that they will be terminally ill. Life's trials, life's problems, just like this virus, often come out of nowhere. Not so long ago, we were ushering the new year. We were ushering with joy the new decade. We were doing so with great anticipation No one ever entered the year thinking this will be a year when the world will shut down because of a virus. The storms in our lives are sudden and they are very real. And it's especially real if you are living it. And these sudden events often cause us to feel very much in jeopardy, anxious, and at risk. And so we're worried. We're worried that perhaps we may have been exposed to someone with the coronavirus, or perhaps we get a call about the severe illness of a loved one, or the breakdown in a relationship, or suddenly an unexpected tragedy. When we go through those experiences, we may feel that perhaps God has left us to fend for ourselves, and we cry out. but We just feel that we are so powerless, and I think many of us feel like that at this moment. We feel so powerless. Some of you may be powerful people in society, but you're stuck at home. You see, the sudden storms of life show us the reality, number two, of the powerlessness of our words, the powerlessness of our words. Our words have no meaning. Our words are but empty. Look at the words of the disciples. Master, Master, we are perishing. These are people who thought they could steer the ship. They had everything under control. They had sailed this route many a times. They had gone through storms. And now they were crying out, we are dying You know, there are a lot of people out there who believe they have lots of power. They are business owners. They are successful in life. They are successful academically. They have coasted through life. They have boasted that they have everything under control. They have plans into the next decade. But when the storms of life suddenly come, the quick realization that, guess what, we are utterly powerless And they can't wish it go away. They can't make it go away. They can't use flowery words to make it better. I know that many of you know that the NBA season at this point has now been canceled for the rest of the year. And now the next big sporting event is the Olympics in Japan. And they're wrestling with whether they should go on or not. And all the organizers in Japan are putting on a very brave face, and they say, it will go on. We will host a wonderful games. But we know that their words don't amount to much. COVID-19 will have a lot to say, whether the Olympics will go through or not. All the disciples could say was, we're dying. We've tried everything We've used all of our sailing techniques and our fishing experience to keep the boat from sinking, but we're really in trouble. We're going to die. And all they could do was shout, Jesus, Lord, Lord, we are dying. And that, that shows you the powerlessness of our words. Sometimes all we can do is shout, Lord, Lord, help me. For those of you that think you have power, and that power, with it, comes assurance, it really doesn't. Look at Joseph Stalin, the dictator of the Soviet Union. As Ian Gray writes in his biography, if power could deliver us from fear, then Joseph Stalin should have been fearless. Instead, this infamous Russian premier was afraid to go to bed. He had seven different bedrooms, each could be locked as tightly as a safe. In order to foil any would be assassins, he slept in a different room each night. Five chauffeur driven limousines transported him wherever he went, each with curtains closed so no one would know which contained Stalin. So deep-seated were his apprehensions, that he employed a servant whose sole task was to monitor and to protect his tea bags. These fishermen, with all of the experience on a very familiar lake called Galilee, could only express that they were scared. We are dying. The powerlessness of their words in our words. But it does call into question whether God cares for us in times like this. In the mark account of the same incident, the disciples say to the Lord, do you not care that we are perishing? My friends, that may be the same question you are asking today. Lord, don't you care that this coronavirus is affecting so many around the world? don't you care that this virus has caused the death of so many? Don't you care if my mental health is being affected, where I'm so anxious of thought, and I'm so worried about life? And the answer is, of course Jesus cares. And He will show that He cares, that when His people cry out to Him, admitting in humility their inability to control the circumstances of their life, that He will come to their aid. The cry of men and women who are desperately in need of help will always elicit a response from Jesus. And He will respond to show you how much He cares by showing you how powerful He is. Let's take a look at His actions, verse 24. And Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He rose up, the Bible says, rebuke. He commanded the wind and water, and immediately the wind stopped, and the waves stopped, and there was dead calm. Usually we think that It is the winds that stir up the water that cause waves, and that's true. And therefore, to get to this calm scenario, the winds would have to die down, and slowly and gradually, the waves would recede in height. But the Bible tells us when Jesus rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, it ceased immediately. Every water molecule that was vibrating stopped. There was no gradual receding of the wind and the slow reduction of the wave height. It went from a furious storm to a dead calm at that moment. The words of Jesus, peace, be still, and even the wind and the water obeyed. To kind of give you what they must have experienced, it's like if you have children, they're fighting as my children would fight sometimes. And they are in their rooms and they're fighting and they're loud and they're noisy. And I walk into the room, but they're fighting intently that they don't notice me. And to get their attention, I have to raise my voice and I say, Stop! Stop it right now! And immediately everyone freezes. That's kind of what's happening here. Jesus says to the wind and the waves, Be still! And every molecule of the water stopped. The wind stopped. It showed very clearly to the disciples that here was a man on their boat that was very much in control. They saw, number three, the power of Jesus' action the power of Jesus' actions. Jesus does indeed care, and He shows us He cares through the power of His actions. What a wonderful assurance to see the power of Jesus' action to remind us that He is in control, and the one in control is the Lord God. If Christ is in the boat, which He is with the disciples, the boat will not sink You know, I'm reminded of a wonderful children's song. I believe I've mentioned it before to our church. It's a song that I learned when I was young. But oftentimes I like to sing it in my head because while the words are simple, they carry a profound thought. And the song is titled, With Christ in My Vessel, I Can Smile at the Storm. And I'm not going to sing it for you. If I did, it would go viral on YouTube. But let me just speak the words. And it goes something like this. With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm, smile at the storm, smile at the storm. With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm until I'm safely home. Sailing, sailing, I'm sailing home. Sailing, sailing, I'm sailing home. With Christ in my vessel, I can smile at the storm until I'm safely home. I love those words. I remember those words that I learned as a child, even into my adulthood. I'm not sure what the songwriter went through as he wrote those words. Perhaps he had just gone through a very life-challenging experience. Perhaps he was going through a time of uncertainty, and he was full of anxiety, and he was fearful, But as he was in this time of uncertainty, he learned a great lesson. He learned that his prayer should not be, Lord, take all the storms away from my life. Because we all know that adversities and uncertainties and storms of life experiences will happen and they do come. His prayer through song was that he would be able to smile at the storm. And that should be our prayer as well. That, Lord, as we go through this time of uncertainty, as we go through this time of adversity, help me to be able to smile at the storm so that we can say, bring it on, trials of life. Bring it on, uncertainties, because Christ is with me and in me so that I'll be able to smile at the storm to assure myself that I'm going to get through this with the Lord's help. What an amazing display of the power of God in this calming of the storm. Sometimes we wish that we can experience this every day. But you and I do experience this every day. If we only look through the right lenses, we need to experience the power of God daily in our life. And when we look around, we really see that He's in control even though it seems like things are spiraling out of control. If you don't believe that God is in control, just look at the weather channel, and you can see the power of God. You know, I like how insurances call natural disasters and catastrophes as acts of God. They ascribe to Him the power that only He has And that's why they don't cover so-called acts of God event, damages caused by typhoons or hurricanes or earthquakes or volcanic eruptions. Travel insurance, if you read the fine print, don't cover pandemics or epidemics because they realize that they will go bankrupt if they did. It's simply too risky. They have no control over these events. And so they call it power of God events. And they say, we can't cover that. Even insurance companies recognize the power of God and they submit to Him in control over those things. And this is the one, the Lord God, who is protecting you every day through this COVID 19 pandemic. And remember that the one who protects us is the one who says, with just two words, be still can stop the wind and the rain. You are under the mighty protection of the Lord God. When you place your trust in Him as your personal Savior, when you place your trust in Jesus Christ to die in your place, and that by believing in Him, you have eternal life, then you are His child. And our Heavenly Father loves us, and He will protect us. He will surround us with an enveloping arm of protection. The power of Jesus' actions remind us that we have a very powerful person who protects us. Verse 25, And Jesus said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For He commands even the winds and water and they obey Him. You can just imagine the face of these 12 disciples, dumbfounded, in awe. Who is this person? We tried to bail the water out of the boat. We tried to navigate through the waves. We tried to get to the other side. We used all of our experience and all of our techniques to get to the other side. And He says to us with a few words, and He says, With a few words, be still, and now it's dead calm. I think the disciples that moment recognize, number four, the powerlessness of their own actions. The powerlessness of their own actions. You see, sometimes when we read this story, it's beloved by many, so simple yet so profound. We think that the climax and the importance of this story is in the calming of the storm. But I'd like to suggest that that's not the importance of the story. It's not in the calming of the storm. The importance of this story is the realization of the disciples. The climax is the realization of the disciples in their own human inability and to recognize the power And the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus asked them, Where is your faith? I told you we're going to get to the other side. And they marveled, the Bible says to one another, saying, Whoa, who is this guy? Even the winds and the water, they they obey him. This epiphany, this realization, this recognition that. With their best effort, they couldn't get through this storm. But with Jesus in the boat, proclaiming through His Word and showing through His actions of what He can do, they came to the realization, not by my own power, but by His. That, my friends, is the takeaway, the main takeaway. It's a great lesson. As we all go through this time of uncertainty, this COVID-19 experience I call it, I hope you will learn at least this lesson, that we are not in control, so we better recognize and acknowledge the one who He is, and it is the Lord God. Here's my fear. My fear is that one day, perhaps in a few months, when the pandemic dies down, we'll be able to leave our homes and return back to our normal lives. And we will soon quickly forget this lesson because now we're back in charge of our own lives. We can move around freely. We're now running businesses. We're now making money. We're back in school. We're back in church. And we say, well, we went through it, but then we forget that it was the one who was in control that allowed us to get through it. And that's why God brings us through trials. And that's why God brings us through times of uncertainty to remind us who is in control. Learn that lesson that uncertainty brings. Establish in your heart the reminder of the truth that God is in control, not us. I often like to say that nothing happens to us that God doesn't allow. I really believe that. Now, don't tempt God in your actions, but the safest place in the world is in the hands of the Almighty God. And therefore, our paradigm of fear should change. We should not fear the circumstances. We should not fear the COVID-19 pandemic. We should fear and revere the one who controls the wind and the waves. It is him who we should fear and revere. I know that many of you know the story of David and Goliath, the giant. The reason young David didn't have any fear to go up against the giant Goliath was because he recognized that there was an even bigger God behind him. You know, often we teach that story and we tell that story, and our emphasis is on the little David against the giant Goliath. But you know, that story isn't about necessarily little David versus giant Goliath. That story is about giant Goliath versus an even bigger God. And that's why David wasn't afraid to go before Goliath. I hope as you understand the powerlessness of your own actions and the fears and the anxieties that come with it, we don't need to fear COVID-19. We don't need to fear the uncertainty it brings because there is a greater God who is bigger than any virus. Again, with two words, be still even the wind and the waves listen. This great God, who is greater than any virus, protects us. He is giving wisdom to scientists around the world to create a vaccine. Our trust is not in them. Our trust is in the one who, apart from him, we can do nothing because of the powerlessness of our actions as compared to the power of His. So in times of uncertainty, remember that the first thing we need to establish is the answer to the question, who is in control? It's not us. This pandemic shows us that it's not in human beings. It is in the Lord God the power of Jesus' words and actions versus the powerlessness of our words and actions. I hope you and I will acknowledge the true God who is in control and then by doing so, be assured and relieved. You know, whenever our family goes on vacation, somehow I'm automatically the one who does all the planning. And yes, I do volunteer for this job, because I'd like to be in control. i like to know where we're going. i like to know what we're going to do every day. I'd like to know the hotels that we're going to stay at. i like to know the mode of transportation we're going to take. i like to be the one behind the wheels driving. There is control in that. And so if that's my responsibility, then I have to do all the planning. I have to map out the itinerary. I have to check the weather for the appropriate activity that corresponds with the weather that will be on that day. I have to rent the car. As I drive, I am the one responsible to read the maps or to use Waze or Google Maps. It's on me. Yes, it's hard work. It's extra work. But that is what control gets me. I've got to do a lot of work. And sometimes... When things don't go as planned, I get frustrated. And we all know that when we travel, that there are a lot of things that can go wrong and do go wrong. And to share this frustration, I sometimes turn to my wife, and I want her to understand that it is frustrating, and I'm tired and I'm stressed. But when I turn to her, I realize she looks so relaxed. She's not stressing like me. And I ask her, why are you so relaxed? Things are going wrong and this reservation isn't correct. And look, it wasn't supposed to rain, but now it's raining. So that which we had planned isn't going right. How can you be so relaxed? And then she tells me, because you told me you have everything under control. And so I want to kind of offload some of my burdens to her, and I said, would you help me decide? Can I, can I tell you what's going to happen tomorrow? Can I share with you my plans? And she says to me, no, you don't need to tell me. Just tell me when we need to get up in the morning and leave for the day. That's all I need to know. I want to relax. And I want to turn to her and say, wait, I'm also on vacation. And sometimes I'm envious of her. I'm envious that She is so carefree. I want to be the one relaxing on vacation and having someone else plan everything. But then I realize something. If I want someone else to plan everything and to make all the decisions when circumstances change, then I need to cede control to that person. Do you understand? If I want to relax and I want to not worry, I need to cede control of my planning to another person. So it is in life. In life, sometimes it's okay not to know what's going to happen next because you have established that someone else is in control and that someone else is the Lord God. Now, if you want to control your life, You get all the anxieties and the worries that come with it. God will give it to you. And you will see how hard it is when you have to try to plan everything and then throw your hands up in despair because you know you can't. Why don't we all establish the fact that we are not in control? God is in control. Let's give Him control during these uncertain times so that we can sit back and relax knowing that the one who loves us will protect us and be with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that as we have read this passage that we can learn a great lesson that I'm sure the disciples did as well. That there are times in our life when we believe that we can be in control, but God shows us we really are not in control. Lord, I pray that in this time of uncertainty, that the most basic foundational truth that we have established in our life is to remind ourselves that we have to cede control to You because we don't even know what tomorrow will bring. Lord, I pray that You would humbly allow each one of us to do just that, to sit back and to relax, to give You the controls of our life, so that we can trust that You who love us and sent Your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us will only give us our very best. We can not be anxious. We can not worry. We can relax because You're in control. And although we may not know what the next day will hold, You certainly do. And for that, we thank You.